We turn in God's Word this morning again to Galatians chapter 5. going to begin reading at verse 25, and we'll read through the fifth verse of chapter 6, Galatians 5, 25, through Galatians 6, verse 5. Here then again, God's breathed out word to us this morning. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer before him. Our Father, who art in heaven, we thank you for this portion of your word. We thank you for your word. We ask that you will guide us by this word. Be with Pastor Bob as he preaches on this word. Give him the right words to say and guide us that we may listen properly. This we ask in your name alone. Amen. And amen. Over the course of the last several weeks, we've been dealing in Galatians chapter 5 with the struggle that exists in the Christian's life, the struggle between the spirit and the flesh, between our sinful human nature and Christ who dwells within us by his Holy Spirit. Scripture acknowledges the fact that there is a struggle that exists within the Christian. In fact, it is the Christian and the Christian only who has such a struggle. It is not true that the only Christians there are are those who do not struggle against the flesh. That is a denial of the truth of God's word. It's the teaching of perfectionism, which the Bible does not attest to. Now, certainly, the Bible sets before us that this should be our desire that we should live a sinless life. Certainly, Scripture puts that before us. But Scripture, over and over and over again, reminds us of the fact we cannot attain it. And if we think we do... See, then we've become conceited. Then we've become full of pride. That's the warning of the 26th verse of Galatians chapter 5. Be careful that you don't think you have arrived, that you have achieved. Understand that we shall always be involved in this struggle, but that we as believers are called on 
to continually live by the Spirit, that we are called to keep in step with the Spirit in regards to this struggle. Now, we've looked at this in a, in a number of different ways. Uh, we, we've come at it from, from different angles. But before we get into the sixth chapter, which is Paul's application of all of this, as Paul sets down now, well then, how do you live? How do you live in this struggle? What, what are to be the things we are to keep before us? It's good for us to be reminded once again about what this living by the Spirit entails. And I'd first put before you the fact that, that perhaps we just need to stop and consider for just a few moments the wonderful names that are given to the Spirit. Secondly, that we consider the invincible power that the Holy Spirit has. And then thirdly, the life walking that we are to be engaged in. First of all, the wonderful names. He is called and addressed as the Holy Spirit. Now, now what does that title signify to us? Well, it, it, it signifies to us the fact that he is sinless in all that he does. See, the reason why, why Peter in, in, in his epistle can, can call us as believers a holy people is because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We are holy in that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And of course, then we are reminded of the fact that if, if he is sinless, then he too must be God, because only God is sinless. Only God is without that sin. And therefore, we were reminded in this of, of his person as far as part of the Trinity. We are reminded of the fact of his holiness, of his separation from sin, and that he is the one. This one who is separate from all sin, not even a little taint, not even a little bit. Nor is he accepting of any sin. Is the one who dwells within you and I. The sinless spirit. Secondly, he is given the name of the comforter. John 14 and 15 uh, on several occasions, that's the title that is given. Jesus says, when I leave, I will send you the comforter. What does a comforter do? Well, let's think about it in a, in a number of ways. Some of you children and probably Easton as he grows up, okay, over the course of time is probably going to have a little blankie or a little stuffed toy. Whenever they get upset, our children oftentimes ask for their blankie. They ask for that little stuffed toy that goes by various names. And you know, you can, you can put that blanket and give it to them. You can give them that little stuffed toy and they may be very upset. They may be crying. They may be wailing. But you give them that and they're comforted. It settles down. When someone is, is, we say that that person comforted us, 
It's because we're, we're going through some hard time. We're going through some difficult time. Maybe we've just had a loved one pass away. Maybe we're sitting there in the hospital and, and we're at the bed and the, the individual has just died and perhaps it was a traumatic death. Perhaps it was a sudden death. And, and someone comes and puts their hand on their shoulder, on our shoulder, and, and speaks to us. Perhaps offers a prayer with us. And that which was just so boiling within us before is calm. Jesus said he would send to his believers a comforter. Well, that has many different aspects, but if you think about it here, as far as what is going on in Galatians chapter 5, what does that mean? It means I got a conflict going on within me between the good that I would that I do not and the evil that I would not that I do. What happens? The comforter, the quieter. The one who comes to still my soul. Last Sunday morning, uh, there uh, up on the hill at the high school at uh, the church, there, our group, not your pastor, but the group, sang, When peace like a river tendeth my way. It is well with my soul. Why? Why is it well? the Holy Spirit has comforted us. Comforted us with what? With the truth that we are believers in Jesus Christ. That Christ has washed away all of our sins. See, there is a comfort aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit. Third, he is referred to as the Spirit of Truth. John 16, verse 13. He is the one who speaks the truth to us. In other words, he's the one who points out our sin and says, Bob, that was wrong. That was sin. You need to acknowledge that, Bob. You need to confess that. That was a sin. He teaches us sin. He guides us in that truth. That we are sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. And that old man, that sinful nature, that flesh that wars against us is not something we are never ever to accept. It's not something we're ever to grow comfortable with. It is something that he as the spirit of truth continually needs to remind us. That is sin. But then as the spirit of truth, he also points us always to Christ. Holy Spirit doesn't point us to, to other ways to alleviate our guilt. Holy Spirit doesn't point us in directions of other religions. The Holy Spirit points us only to Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but by Him. He is referred to in Romans 8 verse 9 as the Spirit of Christ. And I, and I thought for a while, what does that mean? What does it mean that the Holy Spirit at times is referred to as the Spirit of Christ? Well, let's go back. What is the, what is the heart of Christ? What is the Spirit of Christ? 
I lay down my life for you because I love you. The whole work of Christ, love. This is what the Spirit brings into our heart. Reminder after reminder after reminder after reminder that Christ loves us. Reminder in sacrament, Christ loves me. That's why I was grateful for the selection of Jesus loves me after a baptism. It reminds me of that. This table is a reminder of the love of Christ for me. How, does, how do those reminders come to me? They come to me through the work of the Holy Spirit in my heart and in my life. It is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, that offers to us these reminders of Christ's love for you and I. Now, that is but four. There are some 33 different names and titles that are given to the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. Paul here, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. We, we've just touched on four. But, but I've done that so that you, you see the depth that we mean here. How much is being communicated to us. That it's one word, Spirit. But, but it's anything but ordinary. It's anything but common. It is rich. It is deep. There's a treasure chest just in the name of the one by whom we are to live. Who are, we are to keep in step with. Secondly, as we think about this phrase, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I remind you of the Spirit's invincible power. It is He, it is His power that is active in creation. Go with me back to Genesis chapter 1 1. These opening verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the spirit of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. See, he's present even there at creation. And what's interesting is, he is the one who is mentioned, who is active. He is the one who is actively involved. Because he is the one who is hovering. I rem remember a number of years ago preaching upon that and, and reminding you as the congregation, it is the picture of that, of that mother bird hovering over her young. Wings flapping. There's a sense in which this word carries uh, the idea of energy that is about to be unleashed. Power that is about to be unleashed upon this empty, formless void of the earth. And that, yes, it's done by the decree, by the word of Christ, but the active energy 
involved in the creation of this entire universe is the one to whom Paul is saying, live by that spirit. Keep in step with that spirit. Turn to Psalm 33. Psalm 33. Go down to verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. By the breath. The word that is used there in the Hebrew for breath is the same word as the word that is used for spirit. It's the same word that you have back in Genesis chapter 1. By the word of the Lord they were made. But it's by the breath of his mouth, by the energy, by the power, by the strength. It's the same idea when we have man formed and then God breathes into him the breath of life. He breathes into him that power, that strength of his own spirit. When Paul is saying here in Galatians chapter 5 that we are those who are to live by the spirit, think of that power by whom we are to live. But it's not only his power in creation. It's also his power in recreation. Jesus in John chapter 3 when he's speaking to Nicodemus speaks of the fact that a man's conversion, a man can be born again only by the wind, by the breath, only by the spirit of God. Only that spirit can make that which is dead in its trespasses and sin alive again. It is the Spirit who gives us new life. Oh, it is by Christ, it is through Christ's death, it is by the grace of God, but it is the Spirit's power that awakens us, that quickens us, that makes us alive again, that causes us truly to be born again. Jesus in John 6, 63 speaks of the fact that that it is by the Spirit that we have life. We were dead. So now we go back to Galatians 5. If we live by the Spirit, what Spirit? The Spirit who has all of these wondrous, beautiful names that, that describe power, His strength, wisdom, love. We are to live by that spirit of that invincible power that calls the universe into existence. That is the very reason that you and I are believers in Jesus Christ. Our own conversion is the work of that power. That's why Paul in Romans chapter 1 speaks about the gospel as the power of God. Why? Because what is the gospel? The gospel is the very breath of God. It is the breathed out word of God. What is that breath of God that is breathed out? It is the Spirit. 
That's why the reading of God's Word is such a powerful thing. That's why the preaching of God's Word is such a powerful thing. God uses that breathed out analogy to picture for us the work of the Holy Spirit. So then what does this mean, this life walking? This idea that we are to live by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. One, well, let, let me have you do this. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll be at verse 18. Any of you know what the initials D-U-I stand for? Any of you? Yeah, it's not an admission. It's just, do you know what they mean? Okay. Any of you? Not everybody knows. Okay. Hmm. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. DUI stands for driving under the influence. You see commercials about it. You get in all sorts of trouble about it. Okay. It's driving under the influence of what? Alcohol. In the old time, that was referred to as spirits. Ephesians 5, 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. When Paul writes in Galatians 5, 25, that we are to live by the Spirit, what Paul has in mind is the contrast to what we find here. That we are not to be under the influence of anything else but the Holy Spirit. We are not to be, see here in, in Ephesians, it's don't be under the influence of alcohol. Don't be under that spirit. Because what happens, what does that phrase under the influence mean? It means that that, that is now which is in control. Right? It's, 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 it's now that which is speaking. A number of uh, weeks ago now, we, we had a young man early on a Sunday morning take a left turn off from Arthur into a ditch. There's no driveway there. There's no road there. Why would he make such a turn? You follow the tire tracks, it's pretty obvious. He almost came to a stop and then just turned the wheel into the ditch. Why? Because he was under the influence. There was something else in control. To be walking with the Spirit means that the Spirit is the one under whose influence we are walking. It is He who is in control. Under the influence. Now I'll give you a different take on that. All of us, in a sense, should be driving under the influence. But not under the influence of alcohol. We should be driving under the influence of the Spirit. We should be living 
under the influence of the Spirit. We should be shopping under the influence of the Spirit. We should be working under the influence of the Spirit. All that we do in life is to be under the influence of the Spirit. That it is He who is in control. This one of invincible power. This one of these beautiful, wonderful, glorious names. That Spirit is to be the one in control. It means to be following His guidance. Go to Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14. Paul states it this way here. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. See that leading, that guiding, that direction... It's, it's another way of talking about the influence, but here it's, it's more the guiding. It, it's more the one who is in front, the one who is giving the directions, the one that you're tr trying to follow to the airport in San Jose when you've never driven in Costa Rica before, as Mr. Wallinga did uh, on our trip. You, you want to keep that, that blue and white billy bus in your sights, because if you don't keep the blue and white billy bus in your sights with all those turns and everything else and roundabouts and everything that goes on in Costa Rica, you'd soon lose your way. Keeping the Spirit ahead of you so that you're following. You're following in terms of your thoughts. You're following in terms of your words, your attitudes, your actions. You're following where the Spirit is leading you. You're not going, oh, hey, that's a pretty pink bus. I think I'll drive, follow that one. Or there's a nice gray bus. I think I'll follow that one. Then you got to follow the one that will get you to the destination you desire to go. You got to follow the lead, the guiding of the Holy Spirit. It is the idea of desiring His work in our hearts and in our lives. That we're not passive, we're active. Note the term that we are to keep in step. That places a responsibility upon us. This is not a passiveness. This is not a, oh, we just sit back and the Spirit guides. Think about that. Think about following somebody through a large metropolitan area. They take off and you stand still. Go, well, I'm just going to put it in neutral and sit here and... Hey, if the Spirit wants to pull me along, then the Spirit will pull me along in that direction. It's not the way this works. Got to put my own life in gear. Got to put my own heart into action. I have to keep in step with that Spirit. I have to follow where the Spirit is going. So that I desire that which the Spirit is desiring 
And only in the keeping in step, the idea of bearing fruit. Yes, it's Christ living through me. But I still am the one who have to bear the fruit. Tonight we begin a, a short series on, on how that what what how do we do that? How, how, how do we keep in step with the Spirit? But this morning, I close with this as a reminder to each one of us. The Spirit's desire, most of all, the greatest desire of the Spirit, the place where the Spirit wants to lead us and guide us, is not glory. Because you see, that you already have. You already possess glory. You already have eternal life. That's not something to get to. That's something you have right now. What the Spirit desires, where the Spirit is leading you, is to conform you to the glorious image of Christ. That's the desire of the Spirit. Now, how does the Spirit do that? Well, this morning, let me offer you two. There are many more. One, the Spirit provides a meal. We who eat and drink by faith are going to be nourished this morning. This is not about forgiveness of sin. This is about being conformed to Christ. This is not, oh, that sin's taken care of, that sin's taken care of. No, this is, this is not a backward journey. This is a forward. This is keeping in step with the Spirit. Christ commanded us to do this. Why? So that we would be conformed more and more. Shaped more and more to be like Christ. He puts His name on us. He says, this is who you are. You're mine. And the Spirit desires that our lives look like Christ. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit. To keep in step with the Spirit. To be like Christ. To con be conformed. Father, we do thank you. For the marvelous way in which your spirit works. And moves in hearts, in lives. That as your spirit, Father. Speaks to us. Leads us. Guides us. Directs us. That your spirit, Father, desires for us to be more and more like Christ. Until in this life, that process has reached 
as far as it possibly has reached. And then you in a moment, in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye, transform us, change us. Father, thank you. We already have eternal life. It's an inheritance. It's guaranteed. We pray this morning that even as we come to this table, we will keep in step. That even as we have seen the sacrament of baptism, that we will be reminded that as we leave this place, we are Christ. Help us to live as the Spirit directs us and guides us through the truth of your word. In Christ's name and for Christ's glory, God's people say, Amen.